Good morning, Church. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 to chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in the synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, great. Thanks, Kirsty, for praying. Thanks, Kevin, for reading. And uh, yeah, as Joyce said, uh, we finished the Song of Songs with such an encouraging series. And now we're back on more familiar territory, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. But we still need to, to pray, right? So let's pray that God would speak to us. Father, thank you for your words. Uh, please speak to us. Please show us Jesus. Help us to change. Help us to respond to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wanted to ask, uh, do your colleagues and your, your friends, do they know that you are a Christian? Uh, if they do, uh, how did you find kind of, you know, uh, telling them, making that clear to them? Uh, I think that took a bit of courage sometimes, right? Because, you know, we, we, we want to say that, but it may not go well. Uh, I remember once, I still don't know if this is the right thing, uh, I started a new job uh, at uh, London Underground, kind of the MTR in uh, London. And, uh, you know, it was normal if someone joins uh, the team, uh, like a department of 200 people, they would send an email around. Uh, Hi, I'm, uh, I'm John Smith. I just started here as a manager and I like football and tennis, something like that. So I thought I'd do the same. So, uh, you know, uh, hi, I'm Niels. I just started here as a journey time planner. And uh, in my spare time, I like to lead Bible studies for international students. Now, okay, I send that off and uh, I went to the toilet. And then uh, when I, uh, as I was uh, walking back, I could hear people talking. And then as soon as I entered the room, it, was, it felt completely silent. And I kind of wondered 
what have I done, right? I've just told 200 people uh, that I'm a Christian and I, I have no idea how they're going to respond. I know there are some people who live a very alternative lifestyle who may, may not like to have a Christian in the office and uh, etc. So yeah, I don't know. Would, would you have done that? I mean, I guess we don't know how it will go, right? Uh, will we uh, have a, give a good response? I mean, I did meet a few Christians for it. That was great. But actually, you know, uh, it might be a very negative response, right? That people, uh, yeah, what will people think of me? Will there be consequences, you know, if, if my manager disapproves? Right? Um, this was, in a way, even such an innocent thing, right? I just said that I, I lead Bible studies. I mean, would you be happy to tell someone that, uh, you know, maybe uh, your colleague is committing fraud? Would you be happy to tell them off and uh, report them? <laughs> Or would you be willing to say to someone that, you know, uh, uh, you need to believe in Jesus, and, and if you don't, there will be terrible consequences later. I think we struggle with that, right? We, we want to say the right thing. Uh, we want to make sure yeah, we, 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 we love people. And so often we, we, we want to be quiet. And in some ways it's a good desire to want to say the right thing. Uh, we want to be winsome. We want to be pleasant. Uh, Jesus wants us to, to do good deeds that make people praise God. And, and yet, you know, if we speak, is it just always our fault? You know, if we, we try to be loving, uh, but we get a bad response, is that, is that our fault? Well, today we're going to look a bit at what the world is like, and we're going to see, well, actually, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, we need to understand what the world is like. Now, as I said, we're back in Matthew's Gospel, and uh, we've been going through that. Like every year, we do a new section. And, uh, it's, of course, the great events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But Matthew's teaching us more, right? It's not just, you know, that Jesus came, but why did he come? Uh, what did he uh, plan to do? And, well, uh, why have things changed? You know, going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, a lot of stuff has changed. Uh, why? Well, Jesus, of course, he's burst onto the scene, right? If you've been reading Matthew, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, this amazing teaching, and then two chapters of great miracles. Really, the king is here. But we've had a lot of strange responses, right? Very divided. A lot of people love him, the crowds follow him, and yet the Pharisees, they've been rejecting him. They, they, they don't want him. And, of course, that's going to get worse and worse, as we know. The question is, what is Jesus going to do? Well, uh, we're starting a new section of Matthew today. Uh, if you look at verse 53, uh, it starts, uh, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Uh, when Jesus had finished, five times that shows up, each time after a big speech, it's kind of Matthew's uh, section. So we have a new section, uh, what will Jesus do? And this is a famous section, you know, great moments where... Peter confesses Jesus, and Jesus says, I will build my church. That's what Jesus is doing. He's building his church. He's making a new people. But then you might wonder, well, what's wrong with the old people? Why not continue with them? And, well, uh, that's why we're having a few sections in this big section. Well, <laughs> look at the world. Look at the old Israel. And I think that's how today is going to fit in. We're going to see what the old people are like. And that's not just that they are so bad. No, what is the world like? What are people like without Jesus? Because they're, they're not worse. They're just like us. And so, in a way, it's a bit like a mirror. 
And it's not a pretty picture. I'm sure you've heard from the passage, well, this is not how things should be, but it gives us the right expectations and it helps us, you know, be in the world like Jesus was. So what do we see? Well, first of all, we see people uh, refusing to believe, refusing to believe. Jesus goes back to his hometown, to Nazareth, uh, yeah, verse 54, uh, when Jesus, uh, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. I mean, we all love to go back to our hometown, don't we? Well, here is Jesus. And the people, they are amazed, right? Uh, where did this man get this wisdom? And these miraculous powers, they asked. Uh, they, they, they can see that, well, this is Jesus. This guy is amazing. His teaching, his miracles. But then as you heard, the tone changes, right? Uh, verse 55, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Uh, they, they're saying, hey, we, we know this guy. This is, this is Jesus. Well, this is uh, Yeshua bin Joseph. This is our, uh, you know, hey, the, I went to school with him. He's our local boy. Where did he get all this wisdom? And, and, and incredible, they're offended, right? They, they took offense, they're scandalized. Now, what, why is this? Why would they respond so badly? I mean, it sounds a little bit like jealousy, right? I mean, here's the little town and the people who've always lived there, but now Jesus, he, he's, he goes to Jerusalem and hangs out with the authorities. Who do you think you are? And, well, that's not really what's going on, right? Because it's not their jealousy. What is the problem for Jesus? Well, it's 58. Um, it says that uh, they didn't, he didn't do many miracles there uh, because of their lack of faith. And this is unbelief. They are refusing to believe. This is very, uh, we've seen it more often in the gospel. People have, you know, they see Jesus, they see his miracles, but they don't want to believe. There is lots of evidence for, for, for Jesus, but people don't want to believe. But interesting, yeah, Jesus says it's because it's his hometown, right? In verse 57, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. It's those who know him, those who are familiar with him, who refuse to believe. It's weird, right? It's weird. Why is that? Well, they already know him, probably. Right? They, they are familiar with him, they know Jesus, he's this boy from our town, and that's the box they've put him in. This is Jesus. And then when Jesus comes and he claims to be greater, well, they, no, they, they won't accept that. He, he doesn't fit in our box. No, uh, we won't believe. It's so common, right? Uh, many Israelites back then, the, the Messiah, he would be this conqueror who would uh, get rid of the Romans. And then when Jesus was different, when Jesus was greater, they, they just couldn't accept it. They had Jesus in a box. They were not too familiar with him. Now, I think we still see that today, right? Many people you meet, you know, here in Hong Kong, they, when they were young, they, they went to church. And they've, they've been to Sunday school, and then they, they've heard about Jesus, uh, the shepherd, uh, the good Samaritan, and you know, love your neighbor, and you know, they, they still think they were Christian, and sometimes at Christmas they go to church. And actually, they can be some of the hardest people to reach, because they, 
they feel they already know Jesus. And then you tell them about the real Jesus who is bigger, greater, different from what they remember. And nah, nah, they, they, they won't have it. it. It doesn't fit in their box. It, it's like they've been vaccinated and now they, they can't catch Jesus. Well, it's a danger. Actually, you know, youth, children, you're watching this. I mean, I'm really glad that you're coming to Kingdom Kids and Solid Rock. But I hope you will have your own faith and you will have a growing faith. It's easy to just hear this or maybe you go to ICS and, you know, you hear this about Jesus and then you think you know Jesus. And you don't keep learning and you don't keep growing. And then later when Jesus is different, you, you, you won't accept it. When you've been, you know, you know the gentle shepherd, but then actually you find out Jesus wants to be number one in your life, and then you won't have it. Or, you know, you've always thought Jesus wants you to be good and not sin, and then here's Jesus, and he welcomes prostitutes, and then you, you know, you know. let's make sure we have, we keep growing, that we're humble and open-minded, that we don't become so familiar that we put Jesus in a box. Uh, it's a struggle for many people. And the thing is, it matters, right? Look at verse 58. What did Jesus do? Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. It uh, doesn't mean that uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't charged up enough because of their, uh, their lack of faith. No, he chose not to do miracles there. They refused to believe, so well, their sick people didn't get healed. And the people with demons didn't get delivered. They missed out because, well, they refused to believe. And, yeah, that's the thing, right? If you don't want to believe in Jesus, you're going to miss out on him. And just here, if you're not a Christian, you need Jesus. And if we don't come to him, we'll miss out. But then there's also this second story, which is another side of it, but very similar. Now, this second story is quite unusual because it's not about Jesus. Almost every story in Matthew, basically the hero is Jesus, right? But here in this story, uh, Jesus isn't there. Uh, it seems to be about John the Baptist, although even then it's not really about John the Baptist. He doesn't do anything. It's all about Herod. But the thing is the same. It is very similar to the people of Nazareth. It's about a response to Jesus. Because how does it start? Verse 14, uh, 14 verse 1. At that time... Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus. And he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. Uh, he has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Right? He hears about Jesus. He's confronted with who Jesus is, with his miracles. And, well, how does Herod respond? And again, that shows us what the, uh, the, the people of God are like. Right? And, and in his case, he freaks out. He can't deny the miracles. He knows this Jesus is special, but it's his guilty conscience thinks, oh no, this is John the Baptist and he's back and he's going to take revenge on me. That's what he's thinking. And why? Well, we get a flashback and we get this barbaric story about what Herod did. Now, just to say this, this Herod is not the Herod from the wise men that you know from Christmas. This is his son, also called Herod. Although he was a lot like his dad, right? He was also happy to murder people. Um, and he was not very religious, I think, but uh, he was certainly part of the, the Jewish establishment. So, yeah, what is the world like? Well, 
in his case, is not refusing to believe, but in his case, he's refusing to repent. Because what was the issue? Uh, verse 3. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Right? He had married his brother's wife. Yeah? So they were, he, had met, he met, you know, he knew, uh, you know, his brother Philip was married to Herodias. And actually the two kind of fell in love. And they were both already married. So they both got divorced and then married each other. Now, that's of course, that's wrong. Uh, uh, what's more, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was his sister-in-law, right? <laughs> and, and, and even worse, you may wonder, why is she called Herodias? Doesn't that sound a lot like Herod? Well, it was a bit of a messy family, right? Because she was uh, his niece. She was a granddaughter of uh, Herod the Great. And so Herodias was first married to her uncle Philip, and then she fell in love with her uncle Herod. So she divorced uncle Philip and married uncle Herod. Uh, it's a messy family, and that's against God's law. You shouldn't marry family, marry people within your family. Uh, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, and John pointed that out to Herod. Now, how did they respond? Uh, were they cut to the heart? Were they, you know, convicted of their sin as, the, as they hear the word of God? Well, no. Verse uh, 5, Herod wanted to kill John. Uh, he put him in prison and then, well, they wanted to kill him. Uh, but the thing is, for Herod, he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. I mean, Herodias really wanted to kill John, but Herod, you know, he wanted to go along, but he, was, he found it difficult because, you know, John was a prophet. He was, you know, everyone knew he was special. And so Herod was a bit conflicted. What should he do? Well, and then that all came to a head at uh, this party, his birthday party, a big drunken affair, a lot of guests. And what happened? Uh, well, uh, on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much. Uh, his, uh, his stepdaughter uh, was dancing. Now, you might think, you know, here's a four-year-old showing what, off what she learned in ballet. No, that's, that's not what's going on. Uh, the word here is for a teenager. So she was like 14, 15, which back then was about the time that you get married as girls. And so... It was probably a much more uh, sensual, uh, sexual kind of dance that, uh, well, Herod uh, was very pleased with, which is kind of, you know, this is his grandniece and his stepdaughter. Well, it's disgusting, but, you know, he enjoys it. He's so pleased and he wants to show how great he is. So, ah, oh, you know, I'll give you whatever you ask. Uh, you know, he's so, uh, it's mainly for himself, right? But it backfires. Because the daughter goes to the mom, what shall I ask for? Well, this is what you should do. Uh, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And now Herod's in a trouble, right? Because what's he going to do? He promised to give her anything? Uh, will he give the head of John the Baptist? Or will he do the right thing? Because he knows he shouldn't kill this man. Well, this is what he did. The king was distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted. Right? In the end, he didn't do the right thing. He knew what he had to do, but he chose not to do it. He chose, he chose his reputation. He chose what people thought of him. He thought it's more important that people thought, well, uh, I'm this strong man, I'm this great leader. 
he didn't want to repent. And so John gets killed, gets beheaded, head is brought to Herodias, no idea what she did with it. Uh, John's disciples bury his body. And he had done nothing wrong. He had just preached the word of God to Herod. And this is what happened. Now, it's a disgusting story. Right? But it, yeah, this is what Herod did. He refused to repent. And, and, and that's not just something about John. It's about Jesus, right? In, in a way, he's refusing to repent before Jesus. Because John is, is Jesus' forerunner. He's the messenger you know, who prepared the way for the Lord. John is a prophet, and, and in the previous story, Jesus is called a prophet, right? Uh, they're connected. Because after all, repentance is such a big part of the Christian message. You know, John shows up uh, in chapter 3. Uh, in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Next chapter, Jesus. Eh? From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Eh, repentance, turning away from our own way, turning back to God. That is such a big part of the Christian message, such a big part of being a Christian. Yeah, repent. But Herod refused to repent. And that is what, uh, well, what, what he is like, what Matthew is trying to say. Well, this is what the old Israel is like. Uh, you tell them to repent and they say, no, we won't. Actually, we'll reject you. Uh, they rejected John, and he got killed. And in that sense, right, he was a forerunner of Jesus. Because later, well, Jesus, exactly the same thing. Uh, he went to the cross. Because people didn't want to repent. They'd rather have Jesus killed. And that's not just back then, right? It's still what the world is like. People don't want to repent. People, they like to hear of God's love. They love to be affirmed. They love to be told that, you know, oh, God loves you and he thinks you're special and you're so amazing. But then when you start talking about sin and you start talking about how people need to change, suddenly they don't want that, right? I mean, I'm sure you, you've seen that if you've interacted with people. You know, Jesus is great if he loves us, but talk about how he's exclusive about other religions. Talk about the value of human life. Talk about uh, yeah, sexuality. And suddenly there's anger because people don't want to repent. Uh, often for their reputation, right? Just like Herod. I mean, if I change this, what will my friends think of me? If I, if I give this up, what would my parents think of me? And, and they, they choose other people's approval over doing uh, what God says. And the thing is that that comes back to us then, right? Because it stirs up rejection. And we know John faced that. And Jesus isn't here, so who gets it? We do. Uh, we get this. We, we get this rejection. We get the hatred. We get the whole cold shoulder. Uh, we don't get the promotion. We don't get invited to the party. All because we are, well, we were talking about Jesus and calling on people to change. And the thing is that that's not your fault. It's not because if that happens that you've, you know, you, you haven't been loving enough. You haven't been gentle enough. It's the world's refusal. The world just unreasonably refusing. It's good to know. It's, it's not about you. Yeah? If the world refuses to believe, you can expect that. The problem is otherwise we will just be quiet, right? You know, uh, maybe you've 
never been persecuted, you never had any rejection, you know, be thankful. At the same time, is that because you've hidden that you're a Christian? You've just never told anyone? I mean, John could have kept quiet, right? If he just hadn't talked about anything, then he wouldn't be in prison, he wouldn't have been killed. Easy life. No, I mean, you don't have to send an email to everyone like I did. Uh, but if we are trying to hide that we're a Christian just because we're afraid of the consequences, I'm not sure if, uh, if that's really what we should be doing. Uh, we, we should be loving and gentle and winsome and known for our love, and yet we need to be faithful to pass on Jesus' message. And if we get rejected, well, that's just the way it is. That's what the world is like. And we see that here in this passage. And just to say, I don't know when you read this how you feel, I mean, I see Herod and I feel just so superior, right? I see his lust and his murder and I just think, man, what a guy, right? I'm, I'm so much better. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Let, you know, we, we should take a look in the mirror, right? Because we can see many of these traits still in ourselves, right? Uh, we want to be li live Jesus' way as Christians. And yet aren't there sometimes some sins that we, <laughs> that we still haven't changed? We know we should, and yet we don't want to give them up. Yes, Jesus, you can have all of this of my life, but you can't have this sin. I want to keep that. And when there's a sermon on it, well, we zone off. Or when we read it in the Bible, we, we, we you know, no thanks. Often for our reputation, right? We, we don't want people to think of us a certain way, and we, are, we, we don't want to change. We don't want to apologize just because of what people would say of us. Uh, we are really no better. And then we wonder, you know, how did Jesus respond to them? How would Jesus respond to me if I'm like that, if I keep on refusing him? And the amazing thing that uh, yeah, <laughs> I want us to see is that, well, Jesus, well, he refuses to close the door. He refuses to close the door. I mean, if I were Jesus, I would be so angry, right, when you... Here we read this. These people of Nazareth, how dare they not believe? How dare they be offended by Almighty God in their midst? Herod, well, how I mean, how dare he seduce his sister-in-law? But how, you know, how dare he kill Jesus' cousin? Kill the greatest prophet ever? You know, I, if I were Jesus, I would just curse them, right? Get them zapped by lightning. Now, just to say, of course, Jesus is not okay with what they're doing. Not at all. Uh, the people of Nazareth, again, he didn't do many miracles there. Herod, um, if you read on in the Bible, he's going to meet a gruesome end in Acts chapter 12, when he refuses to give God the glory uh, again. But all of that is later, right? I mean, right now, immediately, Jesus doesn't seem to do anything. People of Nazareth... You know, he lets them live. Uh, Herod, well, I mean, what does Jesus do when he hears all this? Verse 13, then Jesus heard what had happened. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus, he just goes and mourns. One day, yes, there will be judgment in the future. One day the door will close. But right now, well, he is gracious and he doesn't close the door. He lets people reject him in a way. In a big way, right? He lets people kill him. This whole section, there will be a bigger and bigger shadow of the cross. The fact that Jesus is going to be rejected and killed. But in some ways, he's, it's not like John. I mean, John's 
killed, but he couldn't do anything about it. Jesus was killed for you, for me. He was killed out of his own will because he was willing to die for those who refused to listen, for those who refused to change. You know, he was willing to die for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm no better than a, than a Herod, but, but he died for me on the cross when I refused to believe for so long. If, if I think about how I became a Christian, I, I can really see this, right? I, it took me a long time to believe, but even when I, when I, when I believed who Jesus was and I, I believed kind of what he had done for me, I, I just didn't want to repent. I, I didn't want to stop lying. I didn't want to stop drinking. I didn't want to get out of bed on Sunday morning. I didn't want to leave certain things until marriage. All of that, no, no thanks. And yet Jesus was patient with me. And he kept working on my heart. And he kept the door open until, yeah, and he pursued me until I, I got it and I, I changed. And, and I'm so thankful. And if you're, if you're not a Christian, again, Jesus is waiting for you. Maybe you've refused him all this time. He is gracious. Yeah, one day the door will close, but at any time before then, you, you can come back to him. Uh, you can, he's waiting for you. And, and, and for me, that really motivates me. You know, Jesus wants us to change. He wants us to repent. But and actually knowing his love really helps me. I mean, Herod, he didn't want to give up his marriage. He didn't want to give up his reputation. He thought that was worth so much more than his relationship with God. But I think he just didn't know God very well, right? If I know how much Jesus cares about me, how much he loves me, well, that, that's so much better than my sin. So much better than people's approval. It, it makes me want to change. And it, it makes me want to face the world like he did. Yes, it's not easy to be a prophet and, and tell the truth. You're going to face rejection. You're going to face opposition. But we can do it with grace, like Jesus did. Why right? not closing the door? You know, people say insulting things. We can just ignore it. We can just keep loving people who uh, don't love us, who reject us. We get passed over, but, you know, can we do something good? A friend of mine, he had a really hard time at work, and yet he went to the people who rejected him, and, he, you know, they were very busy. Can I take some of your work so that you're less busy? You know, that's really a loving thing to do. And, you know, that takes guts. And it's, hopefully it works, maybe it doesn't, but even then... Right? We have Jesus. It's okay. We can, we can do this. You know, I don't mind about other people's approval because I have Jesus' approval. Right? Because I know how much he loved me uh, on the cross. <laughs> and um, ultimately, even if we get killed, right, we're just going to be with him. I mean, yes, for John died in prison, but it's not the last time we'll see him. We'll see him again when uh, Jesus returns and uh, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be all together before the throne. Ultimately, well, we can... Be secure in Jesus' love. And so let's be real about the world. Let's treat the world like Jesus did, but, but knowing his grace, knowing his love, so we can witness to the truth and, and, and love the world like he did, secure in his love. Let's pray we would do that. Lord Jesus, thank you that you did not give up on us, that you showed us grace. And that you haven't come back yet because you, you want us to turn to you. And we turn to you again. Help us to, to know your love, to commit to you, and to, to follow you. To live in this world, uh, knowing what it's like, but living there with 
your love and your grace as we hold out your truth to people who so desperately need it. Uh, please help us, especially this is a difficult time, uh, but to keep remembering uh, you and, and your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.